Hey, welcome into Pastor Doug Talks About. I am here joined with our special guest, Nick Burns, once again. So Nick Burns, welcome to Pastor Doug Talks About. I'm back and I'm that much closer to my reign of Grace Fellowship and kicking Pastor Doug out. Yeah, it went much closer. Much quicker than we at first thought. It was pretty much a two week (laughs) thing and he's he's, he's out of here. So uh, no, actually, Pastor Doug is unable to join us today. But the good news is Nick Burns uh, is going to be sitting in his seat and warming it nicely for him for his return next week, hopefully. And in the meantime, we wanted to talk a little bit more about what does it mean to be a worship leader? So Nick Burns told us last time he was on about himself, specifically a little bit about his story. It's great to get to know Nick. But now, as our worship director at Grace Fellowship, I just want to pick your brain a little bit about what it means to you to be a worship leader. So when that question is asked to you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that comes to my mind is the uh, the verse that always inspires me to worship, and that's John four twenty three through twenty four, which says, uh, "A time is coming, and now has arrived, when uh, true worshippers will worship God and uh, the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and therefore His worshippers should worship Him in spirit and in truth." That was impressive. No Bible in hand. <laughs> that's that was pretty good. Yeah, so elaborate on that a little bit. What does that what does that mean as far as being a worship leader? Um, to connect that with the Sermon on the Mount, uh, if Jesus is taking all this time to preach to uh, everybody while on top of that mount, that it is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what's on the inside. Um, if we take the negative, if you even think about a woman that way, you're committing adultery then the opposite should be true too. We should have hearts of worship. Um, So to worship the Father in spirit and in truth is what we aim for. It's what we aim to do. Um, It's not out of rote, as I believe it was Isaiah. Not It's either Isaiah or Jeremiah. Uh, We don't worship out of command. We worship out of a place of adoration. So uh, what I encourage uh, everybody on the worship team with is that it is out of our abundance and love and adoration towards God that our worship springs forth. Yeah. And I think probably everyone listening to this knows what a worship team is when we refer to worship team in the modern evangelical Christian church. Uh, but, you know, a worship team specifically, what you're referring to is the group of people you lead on Sunday mornings during a service who uh, play worship songs that we all as a congregation rejoice and uh, sing unto the Lord. So why is that an important part of the church day? Like, why do we have that? Because I feel like one could argue possibly that, uh, you know, that's that's all just fluff. It's not really part of wor- real worship. Um, obviously, I don't argue that, but someone might. And um, why do you think that it is important to have a worship team or a group of people leading in worship in that sense? So there's very, very few things, or it's a very fine line between um, a worship team and a Christian cover band. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is, again, the heart. Um, one of the, uh, the top compliments that I, I've gotten since I've been here is that um, it's so great the, the times that you back off the mic and let the congregation sing. And that's the point. Like the, the point is that we are all here to gather together to worship God. It's not a look at us on the stage type of thing. Um, 
we are there to point people to Christ. Uh, we are there to lead people, to uh, set the tone of the day. Um, but it's not to impress people with how well we play, how well we sing or anything like that. Our purpose is to point the congregation to God, uh, to set the atmosphere for what's to come. What do you think are some of the best ways that a worship team, for example, can do that successfully, pointing them to God rather than to the team themselves? I think those little moments in between songs, which I'm not particularly good at, uh, but those uh, those portions in between songs, uh, songs where worship leaders get their little mini sermon, um, those are the times where we get to connect with the congregation and uh it, it could either be explaining why we sing that particular song that we're about to sing or just sing um, or uh, just kind of explaining the theme of it. Um, or it could just be flat out reading out of the Psalms or the Proverbs or some great point of scripture that's really connected with us throughout the week. Um, those moments that we have are the moments that we get to, to connect with the congregation and uh, hopefully uplift them. Yeah, you know, as someone who has been in many congregations over the years uh, in worshiping through song, um, one of my favorite things to do is to close my eyes and worship, right? Like it kind of it takes the attention off whatever I'm seeing in front of me and, and hopefully points it towards God. Um, and so I think that that's an important way to think of ourselves as a worship team when we're up there. It's just like, we're not even really there. We're just there to help others worship. And, um, and in doing so too, we're also worshiping God. Like we get to come and do that through instruments and, and through singing. And, um, it's a blessing to us as well on the worship team. And, um, that's one of the more fun things that I get to do. It's just a way, a very expressive way I can, um, worship the Lord. And it's, it's a different way than most other ways of worshiping. Um, and, you know, one thing, if, if you've heard Pastor Doug talk about this topic at all over the years, you'll know that when we refer to worship in the church, it's not just through song and through the time where we all get together, stand up formally and clap our hands and sing and shout praises. Um, worshiping is every part of our life. And that's just one aspect of doing so where it's a little more focused specifically on God and doing so with each other in the congregation. Um, since that is primarily one of your big areas of uh, focus and concentration, the musical side of things, um, I also want to kind of uh, ask you a little bit more about what goes into um curating a worship service that is designed to point people to God. So, you know, generally, at least at our church, we do typically four songs of praise and then there's a sermon and all that. So what goes into your process when you're planning out that and what it would look like to successfully please God in doing so? Honestly, so much more than many might think. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, there's so many different ways you can look at it. You could pick songs thematically. Um, if it fits super well with the sermon, we might do something like that. Uh, there's also a um, uh, like a bit of a struggle when you're picking songs that are new just for the sake of them being new. Uh, 
And so you'll throw them in even if they don't necessarily have like a particularly uh, on-point message with the sermon. Uh, But it is a song that we want to start throwing into rotation. And that could look like it's either maybe in preparation for things like Easter or in preparation for Thanksgiving or... Uh, maybe it's a song I think it, it'll go really, really well with this one singer on our team, and I, I think they would just knock it out of the park. Um, so it could be any number of those things, uh, but I try and keep it all like uh, in mind when I am picking them. But uh, the whole other portion of like uh, uh, picking songs in general is they have to glorify God either by uh, speaking to him directly um, or for it to be a song that is congregational. Uh, A really easy classic song to pick there is like, How Great Is Our God? Uh, It's not really addressing to God, but it's corporate worship where we are all talking about how great our God is. Uh, the name above all names. And yeah, it reminds me of, um, you know, a song like that reminds me of the way Jesus gave an example of starting your prayer off, right? Kind of talking about how great God is, his attributes, and recognizing yeah. who he is as we enter worship and communion with him. I think it's a really good, like, tone setter kind of uh, song, right? Right, Exactly. Um, And I want to push back a little bit on something you said as a devil's advocate, because I agree with you. um, But you did say, hey, you know, sometimes we pick a song based off if I think this singer will knock it out of the park. So what does that actually mean? Because based off what we were just talking about, it wouldn't mean that like, oh, they perform it well. It is a successful thing, right? Not that it's a bad thing if they perform it well, obviously, but what does that actually mean to you that, that like, oh, the singer might knock this out of the park. What does that look like successfully as a worshiper? That is a great question. So um, the whole other portion of my job and something I'm super excited about is the fact that I get to pour into other people. Mm-hmm. And um, the... Uh, undertone there is that, oh, that's, that sounds kind of like, uh, like superficial to be Mm -hmm. thinking that way. And well, here's the thing. You want people to get excited about what they do. That's just the root of it. You, you, if you're going to pour into people and you want people to grow and you want to stretch them. Um, I remember being built up as a worship leader. I was given a lot of songs by some of my mentors that I could not stand. (laughs) And, um, I could do that to the people here, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I'd be a lot happier. And I think they would be a lot happier if I still gave them a challenging song, um, that still stretched them and, uh, that they enjoyed. Um, I don't know about other people. I don't have a particularly good poker face. And if I'm forced to sing a song I don't like, um, I'm really afraid that it'll, it'll show. I don't want people that I throw songs at to be like I, I don't want I don't want them to look miserable. While yeah, after. sure. Um, so that that's kind of the mindset. There is, um, it's a growth thing. It's a stretching thing, and throwing a, like an occasional challenging song out there. Um, 
ultimately makes the team grow stronger together when it comes back to the more simple songs. Yeah, and I think that, um, let's just be clear about this. Everyone has different tastes in music, right? And that's okay. That's a good thing. It's natural. I mean, that's generational, really, uh, from what we experience. And it's okay to recognize, hey, some songs have a really great words, great message. Um, some old hymns are awesome. And we still sing some of them today, and I'm glad. And that's that's great. And um, other churches probably hammer in on some older songs. We might hammer in on some newer songs. Or, you know, every church has its own different flavor, which I think is good because other people might be blessed and really connect a little bit better in their worshiping through song that way. Um, but I do think it is important to know it's okay that not, we don't all like the same music. Um, you know, you're a worship director here and you might think, man, I really don't like this style or this genre. And that's okay. Um, it doesn't mean it's bad. It, it also doesn't mean it's necessarily, oh, the good old days were so much better when they're old in this way. Right. Um, and I think everyone knows that, but it's kind of good to hear sometimes because the truth is I don't get in my car and listen to, uh, I don't even know the Christian stations now. Like there's, there's some that are okay, but there are some that are, are yeah. rough. I, the nineties Christian <laughs> era of worship is not for me. Um, and, they're, and they're keeping it alive and well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that it is for other people. Cause I'm glad that other people do connect in their worship a little bit deeper in that sense. And, that is awesome. I hope they keep doing that. I hope they keep singing those songs. Um, and I probably won't, to be honest. Uh, but I do have a lot of songs that I like that I know other people might not like. And I think that's good. That's one of the cool things about art and music and worshiping in that sense is that it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, now, what would you say, though, to someone who's like, ah, I don't really like the music here. Uh, it's hard for me to worship. Like, do you have advice to those people who might be come to a church service and not really connect in that way? Yeah. Uh, so earlier I had mentioned that I was given a lot of songs that I didn't like and something that you touched on was that, uh, but the words are still good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been my saving grace when I did not feel like, uh, just to throw out an example, like Unstoppable God. Uh, that song, if you're familiar with it, um, the verses were just so weird and dissonant sounding to me. Mm -hmm. um, the chorus was fine. The bridge was fine. But the verses were just so, like, cheesy. I, Anyway, but um, the the words, the rest of the song, it, it was all for a purpose. And, and uh, my mentor at the time had, had told me and explained to me, like, uh, well, here's why we picked the song. Here's the words for it. Um, that's the heart of why we're doing it. And so I'd say if um, you're having struggling, uh, if you're struggling connecting with worship at um, our con congregation or any other congregation and, and that's like your big hang up, then I think that's a, a good thing. That's, uh, it's not that bad of a church then yeah. if your biggest hang up is the genre of music. But um, I, w I would just focus on the words um, or uh, if I'm at a, uh, if I'm visiting like a congregation and they're playing songs that even if I like them and I just don't know them, mm -hmm. then I could still bow my head and talk to God and yeah, and still utilize the worship time. Yeah, I think that's one that's some good advice because one of the things that I know that can be tempting in a house of worship during uh, what we consider a worship set of music 
is it becomes about us really quickly. Yeah. And when it becomes about, oh, I don't like this, oh, I don't, and, and there's there's some validity like we just talked about, but there's also, um, it, there's also validity to the fact of some some churches pick songs that we may not pick because they are heretical or <laughs> just really poor doctrine or something like that. And yeah. the, I I do understand if that's the case not really being able to connect in worship because you're like, this isn't true. Like, I, I don't know why we're singing this. So I understand that, but I think it's good advice. What you're saying is, so it's, it's ultimately not about you and what you like and what you're, this is a time where you're giving, you're sacrificing, you're giving something to the Lord. Um, you know, even I would challenge some people who may not sing during worship. Uh, look, just, just look for me. Maybe sit by me. Your your confidence will be boosted immediately <laughs> if I'm out of the congregation because I can't sing. I, I have no. It's not my talent in life to sing. Um, but one of the cool things that I can do is is give the voice that the Lord gave me back to Him through worshiping in song. Um, because I know that's good for me, and I know that's good. F- it pleases the Lord. Um, so I would also say, you know stretch out a little bit. Like you were talking about with the singers, it's okay if this isn't your comfort zone. This is an area where we're giving something to the Lord and we're presenting it to him. And it really doesn't cost us anything aside from maybe a little bit of humility, but Hey, humility is good for us. So, you know, sometimes we might need to do that to bring ourselves down to, um, so I encourage you if you're struggling with the, the worship sets or the uh, songs that they pick, um, you know, Think about, is that about you or is that about the doctrine and all that stuff? Because then that's a different discussion. Um, so in that discussion, what what is it that you look for when you're picking a new song, let's say, um, to introduce the Grace Fellowship and you're saying, hey, this would be a great song or, hey, I like this song, but we're not going to do that here. There, there's a lot of different things that go into those decisions. And I'm just curious to hear kind of what you think through as you're choosing um, I exclusively pick heretical songs. Yeah, that's <laughs> we rock out hard at Grace Fellowship. So, um, no, I'm really thankful that uh, this is a, a church that um, uh, it goes through a lot of different layers of approval. Well, not a lot of different layers, but um, important layers. It, mm-hmm. it must be approved by a pastor. And um, before it ever gets there, um, I'm doing my job and my part to make sure that uh, uh, theologically that it's it's responsible. Yeah. Um, I think just an, an easier example. Hopefully, it doesn't offend anybody. But like the the songs where um, maybe you've heard the ones where they sing from the perspective of God, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say that's heretical. Sure. But it doesn't sit right with me. Um, I would not feel comfortable as a worship leader singing from the perspective of God. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll be honest. I've been in some settings where I've heard songs like that and I've worshipped. But also the concept is this is a little bit more of an art. Uh, it's, again, like not heretical necessarily, but yeah. we aren't singing from God's perspective. We're singing to glorify God right. and to uplift each other in doing so. Um, so totally get that. Um, there's also just some other, what are some other maybe red flags you might look for or green flags you might look for when choosing a new song? Um, 
I think starting with the green flags, um, the first thing I, I listen for is the uh, surface level stuff. Do I like it? Does mm-hmm. it sound good? Um, if it does, then I go that layer deep and see if uh, the lyrics match. Um, if they do, then great. Uh, what, I, what I mean when I say the, that the lyrics like match like uh, our theology mm-hmm. and uh, doctrinal correction and, and stuff like that. So um, just think off the top of my head here, one of the first ones that we introduced when I came here was I Believe by Fool Wickham. Mm-hmm. And that is just like the creed. Yeah. Um, very easy green flag there. Like one, you listen to it, it sounds good. And then you go a layer deeper and the lyrics are just like, well, this is just, this is just scripture. This is just the creed. So like we're, we're good there. Um, and anything past that is got to be like, is it congregational? Um, yeah, that was one thing I actually want to ask you about too, because Again, some churches sing different songs, and some of which I love. And then I think about it, I'm like, yeah, we probably couldn't pull that off at our church because, hey, we don't have a whole choir behind us, or right. we don't have, you know, this or that necessarily. Um, so is that part of it too? Just maybe we just don't have the chops in a sense to to pull it off successfully. Uh, I'm I'm skeptical with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think with the um, uh, something I like to do in my free time is is like cover songs. And part of that is sometimes I have to simplify it. Yeah. And if I don't have a big giant team with me, then it's just me and an acoustic, then I should play accordingly. So I think with a, a church with a, uh, I'll say smaller team, but really like this is an average size, good size worship team that we have here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I think that there's plenty that we could pull off, um, but couldn't should are two different things. And I think that, uh, kind of going back to what I said earlier, like I, I want to make sure that the congregation is going to be able to connect with it. And if it's, uh, can't really think of an example off the top of my head here. Uh, maybe say so by Israel Houghton, Houghton, however you say his last name. <laughs> I have no idea. So I'll yeah. go with that. It, look, look it up. Anyone who's listening to this on, on Spotify, Israel Houghton, uh, say so. Um, and it's a good song mm-hmm. and it's scriptural. Um, but I don't know if every congregation would be able to like sing along with it. Yeah. Um, it's musically challenging uh, going into music theory, it's challenging, <laughs> and uh, but it's still a good song. So it's like that's kind of like the the line you have to draw. So I, I think that song is actually a great example of um, something that we could do here. Um, but even if we did, uh, take into account whether or not I would actually connect with the congregation. If that's for this church, that's a whole other topic entirely. Sure. Cool. Um, yeah, it's great to know a little bit more about how we pick songs. And, you know, one of the other factors that I know we've talked about before, too, is we 
there's frankly a ton of songs that I love and I'm like, man, I wish we could do that here, man. Or I want to do that here. I know we can, but I would like to do that here. But then it's like, okay, what are we introducing a new song every week? And then as we introduce new songs, so it can be a little hard for congregations to pick up on, especially if it's every week they're singing something new that they've never heard. And then it's not really an engaging worshipful time for them too. So I think just the fact of there are practical just limitations to what we we can do um, with a, hey, we do this once a week, four songs a week kind of thing. And and we don't want to not sing other songs that our congregation might love and really connect with, too. So I think that's one of the things to keep in mind, too, is yeah. that, like, just frankly, we'd love to do more and more songs. And there may be other venues where we can do that, you know, on our own social platforms at, at open mic nights at different things in our car, you know, we might be jamming out some of our favorite songs and never really do them here. And I think that's okay too, you know? Absolutely. All right. So as we continue to think about what it means to be a worship leader, what does that look like throughout your week? Because I can tell you firsthand, it's not just a Sunday morning during service thing of being a worship leader. So what does that look like as your week goes on being a worship leader? Um, so at the, uh, it depends if it's at the beginning of the month, then I'm uh, planning the month out. Um, and that usually takes like two days, uh, one day to schedule everybody, another day to uh, figure out the songs. Um, but usually throughout the week, like a standard week, uh, one of my favorite things that I get to do is that I get to put together a devotional um, that we go over with the worship and tech team. And for that, uh, we are actually going through a book called Unveiling Mercy by uh, Chad Bird. And uh, he, he's an Old Testament scholar, picks a, a Hebrew word out of the Bible and expands upon it and uh, talks about it in context. And that's a really good one. Um, if there weren't any that I felt were good for our team uh, within that, that week of devotionals that I go through on my own time, uh, then I will find inspiration from any of the other books I'm reading through, Charles Spurgeon, uh, his works on Joy and Redemption, um, some other like uh, side books from the same author, Chad Bird. Uh, there's one called The Christ Key that's really good. Um, and, well, yeah, I do a lot of reading. So yeah. uh, I've, got, I've got lots of inspiration to pull from there. And... Um, if it's not those, then just flat out scripture. And I will talk about scripture. Uh, I think a really great example of one that I shared with the team was finding joy uh, when things are bad. Um, I don't remember if, um, uh, well, regardless. Uh, so David, after he had sinned with uh, Bathsheba, Uh, God told him that his child was going to die. And so he was fasting, he was mourning, and um, broken. And so when his child finally did die, his servants were afraid to approach him. But then they finally worked up the courage to do so. They explained what happened to David. And what immediately happened after was that he got up and he started worshiping God. And, um, and I, I think that, uh, maybe that's like a good place to end this is despite 
hardships and struggles and times of mourning, difficulties, we can look on God and worship him anyway. Uh, David realized something about his son that I think a lot of us Christians forget, and that's the fact that he will see his son again. He makes that statement in scripture, I will see him again. And uh, I think when we experience pain and loss, even as Christians, we forget that we will see our loved ones again. And to have the strength and the endurance to worship through it all, um, seeing that joy in other people is is a big reason why I do what I do. Yeah. Lastly, I just want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, as people who may not concern themselves worship leaders, per se, uh, which is 99% of any congregation out there, right? What would you say to them? Do they have a role as a worship leader? Do they have a role to be playing just during the week in preparation for worship? I I mean, I, I wouldn't consider it like a, uh, a role to play as much as a... Uh, responsibility, a duty, and a love for God. Um, I, I think rather than looking at it in the sense of we should, you know, prep for Sunday, we should look at this as a everyday thing. Yeah. And uh, something that the prophets talked about a lot was um, like, you think I want just one day? They're quoting God. You think I want one day where you're worshiping me? One day where you're fasting? Um and even though God had commanded us to like do the Sabbath one once a day or once a week, that's not the the point. The point is he wants to be worshipped. And he makes that very clear in the prophets and he makes that very clear by his actions and uh, sending his son. And then, you know, it's Emmanuel. It's God with us. He's always wanted to be with his people. So to answer your question, because I went off on a little bit of a tangent <laughs> there, um, spend time with God because he wants to spend time with you. And the best thing that you can do for your relationship between yourself and God is worship. And if that's not in song, then that's in prayer. And if that's not in prayer, that's in scripture. Um, there's lots of things that you can do to express your love for Christ. Um, worship happens to be one of those things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not always music. Yeah, throughout the scriptures, we see time upon time of being told to worship God. Um, and a lot of times that involves instruments and singing. Other times it involves talking with God, being in communion with God, um, taking communion, like things like that. Um, so there are endless roles to play for all of us in how we worship God throughout the week. Thankfully, you know, one of the reasons we talked about being a worship leader specifically is because that's one of your roles at this church is to help lead worship um, and it's interesting to learn more about that, but ultimately that doesn't make you or me or anyone on stage more important in the worshiping process. Right. You're just here to help us do it all together and ultimately point us towards God. And so thank you for helping hopefully clarify how you do some of that today. Um, we will continue to talk to Nick down the line more about different things, whether it's worship or theological things, or maybe just how your day is going. So <laughs> stay tuned with us in the future to learn more about Nick and Pastor Doug will be back here next week where we will be talking more about 
Well, you're going to have to tune in then to find out. So like I say every week to end the podcast, thanks for being with us. We will see you next time. Don't do anything I wouldn't do.